2019, for example, the popular site Pornhub recorded 42 billion visits, which accounts to 115 million a day. Here comes a question: Is porn addictive? Scientists are debating if heavy use of pornography is an addiction in in the medical sense of the word. And the WHO, World Health Organization, added compulsive sexual behavior as a mental health disorder in 2018. And while it doesn't single out a pornography or any other addiction, it does refer to repetitive sexual activities becoming a central focus of a person's life to a point that they neglect their health and personal care or other interests, activities, and responsibilities. So, in today's episode, let's chat with Joshua Shea. and understand how to overcome this pornography addiction he is a pornography addiction expert and author and also a certified betrayal trauma coach this is the guiding voice podcast series the guiding voice for a better future folks i am your host navin samala a fellow it professional on a mission to shape the careers and lives of millions across the globe through the guiding voice we help successful leaders share their knowledge and wisdom with the world so that our audience will acquire more knowledge for every minute than any other podcast in this space thank you so much for joining me and we are extremely pleased to have joshua shea part of the guiding voice journey in shaping the careers and lives of millions across the globe joshua i'm super excited to have you and uh, off late we covered some of the bold topics like uh, 36 intimacy laws for men and also sex education unleashed and i'm super excited to cover this topic which is very prominent where people have the inhibition of speaking out saying that they are addicted to pornography and all but they don't speak out and i'm sure our today's conversation is going to help our audience overcome this addiction and in case if they require further assistance uh, they can find you through the social media channels and all i'm going to publish the coordinate in the show notes all right so welcome again Thank you so much for having me today. I appreciate the invitation to come on the show and I'm excited to talk about this. Yeah. Likewise, I'm also super excited to talk about the topic and uh, before we get into the pornography, maybe let's uh, briefly talk about your career aspect. What are top 3 things that have helped you so far in your career, Joshua? Uh, well, I I've had a very interesting career. I never thought that I would become a pornography uh, addiction expert. I was a porn addict myself for 24 years. When I was a porn addict, uh professionally I was a journalist for a while. I actually launched and owned my own magazine. I created a film festival here in the US and I also was a local politician. So some people when they become addicted to things just basically become a lump on the couch and some people do a lot to distract themselves i was the kind of guy who did a lot to distract himself so i was very very busy after i got into recovery because i'm a decent writer i decided to put a book out and i thought that would be it i thought that would be the one thing i wrote about pornography and i would be done with it but i didn't realize how rare it was for somebody to share their story so the moment it came out i started getting messages from both porn addicts and from their partners usually women but not always sometimes a family member sometimes you know somebody else and uh 
I realized that since I was one of the only people I could find who was willing to talk about this, maybe I could help other people. And instead of writing, I could do the research and I could share my personal story of addiction along with everything that I've learned by reading thousands and thousands of pages about it and getting to know so many other porn addicts along the way. Mm-hmm. So in this journey, what have you learned and what shaped your overall career? Because you were a journalist and then 24 years of addiction and you came out and you become a author and a coach now. So name top three things. <laughs> I would say that the top three things are that I have I've learned that in my career, whether no matter what I'm doing, I need to be helping other people and I need to be sharing information. I've also learned that So many skills transfer from career to career uh, that you may not think about. You know, when I was a journalist, I asked questions all day. Now that I'm a coach, I ask questions all day. And I think that's why a lot of people think I'm a good coach, because I actually became a journalist around 20 years old, even before I finished college. So I've been asking questions for 25 years. Even though I've only been a coach for two years, I like to ask questions and I like to learn people's stories. I think that the other thing that I've learned is a little bit more on the personal end that I need to chase the money a little bit more. I love to, I love to have a good time at work. Uh, I love to help people. I love to be creative. But at the end of the day, you still have to pay your bills You cannot tell the electric company or the water company, do you know how many people I helped today? I'm sorry they didn't pay me enough. So that, that's been the biggest challenge is in learning the professional side and the fact that if I had a million dollars, I would help everybody for free, but I don't. So I have to unfortunately do and pay attention to the money side of things, which is just not in my nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I get it. I think many a times we get into that helping mode because out of passion, we start sharing certain things for free and all. But over a period of time, if you look back, we have spent a lot of time and not earning much. I think you and I are in the same stage, if I were to relate. Of course, my stream is a little different. I do career coaching, also interview training, and most of the times it is free. <laughs> I think we have well, to... I have found I have found that where all of a sudden I recognize I've been I've been messaging somebody for an hour and I didn't get a dollar out of it but it was almost like a free session and now I just have to say after a couple minutes of helping I'll help you for free for a couple minutes but I have to say if you want coaching I'm available here's how to sign up instead of just continuing with uh with the free advice because frankly i've done a lot of work a lot mm-hmm. of training and i have 24 years of my own history of mm-hmm. being a porn addict i need to charge for it and yeah. i don't like to but i have to it makes sense actually we have to make our own living as well right as you said uh, nothing comes for free we have pay, bills to pay we have our family to manage and many other things absolutely All right? i try yeah. not to feel bad about it that's the yeah. thing yeah. is that trying trying not to feel guilty for mm-hmm. myself mm-hmm. is the biggest challenge yeah. that you know unfortunately yes if i go to a doctor they don't they charge me i have my own therapist still she charges me so i i i need to get more comfortable with that idea 
Yeah. Yeah. Going back to the topic, uh, Joshua, what is this uh, pornography addiction all about? And right now, uh, if you look at the resources that are available online compared to 20 years ago, they have multiplied like anything. Like you have all the information accessible at the fingertips. I, I remember my own journey, like when I was uh, in my 11th or 12th standard, that is the first time when I saw those new pictures and all. Uh, in a magazine and we had to maintain a lot of secrecy in order to uh, maintain that and it was hosted at some friend's place and then we saw that and again we immediately returned and all and it was lengthy process and so is the case with the films as well right at that point in time we had this um, video cassette players and many times this video cassette player you get it on rent and it will not play <laughs> you wasted all your money and all <laughs> right so that is my experience and so can, can you define like what this uh, luckily like uh, we, we didn't get into that addiction path and all but in general people uh, do they recognize that they're pornography addicts and all and what is it in general one of the things about addiction and like you said the science is still they're still debating what is pornography addiction or not and i think that's fine if you look at uh, something is something like alcoholism, despite the fact that there were support groups like Alcoholics Anonymous going back to the 1930s and 40s, they were also treating alcoholics in, in insane asylums back then and sending them to hospitals because they thought they were crazy. We are constantly learning with science and I'm okay that it's going to take another 10 or 20 years before we put the official title on it. But I can tell you, based on my own story, based on so many others who I've met and who I coach, we all know it's real. And we all know it's a thing. And no matter how the doctors cut it up into pieces or split hairs about definitions, we know what it is. It's basically a lot like any other addiction. Addiction is addiction is addiction. I was, I was also an alcoholic for 22 years. So I dealt with two things. And they were basically the same. It was more acceptable for me to drink in public. It's not acceptable to look at porn in public. So that's kind of where the where the difference was. But for what happens in your brain, and I'm not going to get too deep into the brain science because it's boring for everybody except me. Basically, 95% of what happens in your brain with the chemicals, dopamine, oxytocin, uh, serotonin, it's the same from addiction to addiction to addiction. It doesn't matter. And with addiction, uh, I think the nutshell idea is that you are engaging in a behavior or you are using a substance that despite understanding it's going to end badly, you continue to use despite repeated chance or attempts to stop despite making promises to yourself and others that you will stop, you have done certain damage to your brain. And that is very challenging to get through because addiction is technically a disease. It's a disease of the brain. You can overcome it, but uh, it's a lot of work. And whether it's porn or alcohol or gambling or cocaine or any other drug, most of it of what goes on in your head is the same. It's an obsession and a compulsion that you simply can't control and you know will end poorly, but 
unless you get help, you are almost a slave to whatever it is you're addicted to. You plan your days around it. You lie to anybody who you have to, to get at it. It becomes your number one priority. And you almost feel like you are in your own personal prison trying to deal with it. Mm-hmm. So in the beginning, you mentioned you were an addict by yourself, right? So what has been your experience? How did you overcome that? Well, I mean, like I think a lot of people, I also started with magazines because it was before the internet was big. I had the videotapes as well. When I was 15 years old, I found a video store that would rent the rent those kinds of videos to me. I found a little uh grocery store that would sell me beer. So even though I was much younger than I should have been to access that stuff, I was able to get it and it did not take long for me to for it to become obsessive with me and what the challenge was really for those 24 years was in trying to hide it from everybody trying that to have people think that there's nothing wrong with it uh or there was nothing wrong with me and sometimes whether i had a girlfriend or not or i was married or not or had kids or not i had to lie and i had to manipulate to serve the chemicals in my head that i needed and that was that was the most horrible thing and i felt so alone and that's one of the reasons why i keep writing books i've got four now it's one of the reasons that i go to schools or libraries even some churches and talk about this stuff because we just need education i believe in this world education is what solves our problems not fear not hiding not lying if we can educate that's fine i always tell people i am not anti pornography because some people can use it just fine and if the people who make the pornography are all doing it of their own free will it's not my job to step in and stop them what we don't have though is the educational component to let people know what can happen and that this can lead to addiction that's really what my crusade is i'm not anti porn i am pro healthy sexuality i hope that answers your question i uh absolutely yeah thanks for sharing so openly i really appreciate all the candid insights being shared and uh, joshua you mentioned people have this inhibition uh, saying that they're okay to drink something in public but they can't watch porn in public right likewise what is your take on is looking at this porn bad thing what's wrong with it uh you know the the more and more i learn the more and more i believe that pornography is not healthy and one of the examples i give is uh right before the pandemic started at the very last time i was talking at a college uh it was to a small group it was a women's health group and i gave my presentation and we entered the question and answer period and one woman raised her hand she was probably 19 or 20 and she said do you know about girls my age especially here in college who do not want to have sex with virgin men and i said nope i don't know anything about that so we started talking and i started consulting with other other uh coaches or therapists i started talking my daughter and son are both college age so i talked to them and i talked to some of their friends 
And I put it out there and it was amazing the stories that came back. Uh, College age, and especially if they are in college, women do not want to have sex with virgin men because most virgin men stumbled upon pornography at 12 or 13 years old. And even if these guys only looked at five clips a week, you do the math. And by the time that they get to a position where they can have sex with somebody who's willing at say 18 or 19 years old, they've seen over 3000 video clips. And what are in these video clips? We see men 98% of the time being violent towards the woman. We see the man saying horrible things to the woman. We see the man bending the woman like a pretzel, even though, but she's not allowed to do that to him. And, you know, he will have his hand around her neck and that doesn't even get to how things finish. And the reality of the fact is pornography sex is not like real sex. And those of us who have had real sex know this. And when you get a guy who has watched 3,000 or more pornography clips with a woman in a sexual situation for the first time, what was his sexual education? It was (laughs) these videos. So a lot of times these guys who may seem like, you know, nerds or just normal shy guys, suddenly they turn into a different character and, you know, shove the girl on the bed and start saying horrible things. And this is happening everywhere that, you know, access to pornography has been around for 10, 12 years. Uh, To me, this shows a young, unhealthy sexual generation. I believe that you look at people under, say, about 35 years old. The group that's under 35 years old does not remember a world before the internet. And their sexual beliefs, their attitudes towards porn, nudity, everything that has to do with this general theme in this area is so much different than my generation and certainly different than my parents' generation. And where I believe that my parents or grandparents were too conservative when it came to sexuality, it was all shame. There is no shame. There is no uh, lines of decency among the youngest. And I think they've become too liberal with it. They've become too open with it. And there has to be some healthy middle ground that we can find. Absolutely. If you look at this PDA, public display of affection, right? it has grew manifold if you observe last five to 10 years and all, which was non-existent before. right? And I can relate to all the statements that you have mentioned here. Yeah, I think um, this is a very useful conversation. And now uh, I'll switch gears and talk about uh, non-addicts like me. Should I care about this pornography addiction? I'm not an addict. Well, um, if you care about people's health, And if you care about what people's health does to society, you absolutely should care because this is changing the mindset of sexuality among among the youngest generation as a whole. If you look at it, when I was in high school, around 13, 14, 15 years old, if there was a picture of the 
cheerleader and the football player who were dating, you know, him in his little shorts with his good body and his abs and her wearing a little bikini. If there was an actual picture of this back in 1994, 1995, it would have been passed around like it was money. Now, fast forward where we are here 30 years later, and it's almost expected that every 15-year-old kid on Instagram, at least here in America, is going to have half-naked pictures of themselves at the beach or just in their underwear or, you know, just trying to even look sexy. That's almost expected. So if you've got a girl or a guy at 17 years old, you know, let's say it's a girl wearing a little bikini top, the day she turns 18, she can suddenly open up a website or use a website that's out there like an OnlyFans and start charging for it. And if you grew up at a time of a lot of sexual freedom, not a lot of discussion about what it means, and suddenly, well, you've got your bikini on, it's not a big deal to take the top off, and suddenly people will spend $20 to see what you have under there, that's how you get that's how you get to where we are. And then you factor the pandemic into it when you had all of the good looking, outgoing waiters, waitresses, you know, bartenders, all of these people who tend to look good, tend to be very personable. Well, suddenly they're out of work. What are they going to do if they have to pay their rent or if they have a kid? Well, they have to make money somehow. So many of them went online to make pornography of themselves that, at least here in America, they're not going back to their jobs at the restaurants. They're not going back to their jobs at the clothing stores because they don't pay enough. That You can work two hours a day and make twice the money that you would in eight hours. And I think that that shows kind of a, a lust for money. Again, not to shame anybody, but we don't know what the mental ramifications are of people doing this online yet. It's going to take another 15 or 20 years, but I truly believe that all of these people who are selling their own pornography of themselves online, I have to think a lot of them are not going to be mentally healthy in 15 or 20 years uh, because of this or, or in addition to this. And I think that's when we're going to see a very unhealthy sexual society, because not only do we have so many consumers and viewers of pornography, we have so many people now making it. And I think that is going to be very unhealthy. And that's why we should care about it, because it's it's not just people in Hollywood with big hair and big fake body parts. It's your daughters, your cousins, your girlfriends, your boyfriends, your sons who are starting to do this. And we need to be concerned because we don't know what's going to happen in society if this continues. And let's be honest, you don't have to be a doctor to recognize it can't be healthy. That's not, it's, we're not in 20 years, we're not going to say, oh, wasn't it great? Everybody was making pornography and watching it. It won't be because. I truly believe, you know, sex is a wonderful thing. Sex is a very sacred thing. 
if it wasn't for sex, you and I wouldn't be sitting here today because whether we want to think about it or not, our parents did it one day and that's why we're here. It's a wonderful thing, but I think that whoever you believe your creator is, whatever God you pray to, uh, and, and that made the human form, I believe that we are supposed to be able to access these chemicals, but only at a time where we are actually having sex. And we have figured out because of the internet, well, I can just sit here and look at pornography and I get those same great feelings. And that's why you now see so much sexual dysfunction because the brain can't always recognize what's on a screen and what's real in real life. And ultimately what happens with that is that you see the sexual dysfunction that hurts relationships, that ruins relationships. That's what's going to happen in society. In the U.S., the latest statistic I saw was 18% of people uh, could qualify as a porn addict. That's one in five. Now, we know that kids under 10 aren't there, and we know that most people over 60 aren't there because they didn't have the technology and they still don't understand it. So you're looking at a group of people from about you know 15 to 20 years old up to about 40, 50 right now who are that 18%. So it's a much higher number. If you look, there was a, a study recently where it said that under the age of 30, men from 18 to 30, 33% believe they have a problem with pornography, that they uh, are starting to develop an addiction, or that they truly have an addiction. That's one in three men under 30 years old who knows that they are unhealthy with pornography. And I hate to tell you this giant uh, secret, although I think everybody in India knows it. After the United States, India is the second largest consumer of pornography in the world. <laughs> yeah, that's quite staggering numbers and all. And uh, yeah, so much of uh, insights and kind of eye-opening conversation Joshua, I really appreciate all the insights. Now, you spoke about the kids, right? Um, and also, uh, anywhere age, if you consider the age group of 10 to 20 and all, right? We got to be very con conscious and cautious about them. So what can we do to keep our kids away from this porn? I believe what we need to do is, first, whenever I give a presentation, um, one of the things that a parent will always tell me is, I don't have to worry about this. I put blockers onto their phones. I put blockers onto their computer. And it's like, there are 4.8 billion phones in this world that you can access pornography on. You blocked one of them? Congratulations, you're not doing anything. Parents who put blockers on kids' phones, they're doing it because they don't want to address the real issue. Secondly, because let's be honest, if your 10-year-old kid gets on the bus to go to school or they are with friends after school, maybe they can't get pornography on their phone, but their friend can. And if you don't know what your child is going to say or do when pornography is shown to them, you have not done anything to help your child. Uh, at all. Secondly, one of the things that I also uh, like to point out is that having a conversation with your children about pornography is not the same as having the birds and bees speech. You don't have to talk 
about how babies are made. You don't have to talk about the graphic content of the pornography. You and I have been talking for a half hour now. We haven't got graphic once. It's not necessary. The speech about pornography is like the speech about not smoking. It's the speech about not doing drugs. It's a speech of safety and health for your children. It's not about how babies are made. It's not any of that stuff that maybe makes you feel a little weird. And what you can do as a parent is make it very age appropriate as the child grows up. You can tell a six-year-old kid, hey, don't let anybody take pictures of what you have under your clothes. And you can't take pictures of what people have under their clothes. That's just not allowed. And maybe at eight years old, you can say, hey, if one of your friends shows you pictures of two people who are naked and doing things with each other, please come tell me because that's not good for kids to see. Just like it's not good for kids to smoke. Just like it's not good for kids to drink. And when the kid's 10 or 12, you can say, you may be curious about this. That's okay. Your body is going to be changing and you're going to start feeling differently. But in this house, we don't watch this stuff because it isn't healthy for you right now. When you turn 18 years old or when you turn 21 years old, depending on where you are in the world, you can make your own decisions. You, If you want to smoke when you're 18 years old, go ahead. If you want to drink when you're 18 years old, excuse me, 18 years old, go ahead. But right now in my house, much like you have to be home by 11, much like you have to get good grades, I also need you to not use this stuff. And I believe that if you kids want to learn, especially younger kids, young kids are not shamed by things. That's the time to just plant little seeds and just make them healthy when it comes to sexuality moving on. And don't do things like call your body parts little, you know, names like your hoo-hoo or your ta-ta. No, use the real words. Don't make it embarrassing. Don't make it shameful. It's okay to say breasts. We Look, lightning didn't hit me. I didn't burn up. It's okay to use these terms that are scientific terms, and I think that you will have a much healthier child than if you did nothing at all. Mm -hmm. Well, very nice. Uh, I I loved all the tips, uh, Joshua. Thank you for sharing that, and uh, let's move on. Can you share with our audience where they can find more information about this uh, porn addiction? Yeah, well, as you mentioned at the top of the show, we are starting to see it getting out there more. Um, And I really, really am happy about that. I wish that, you know, despite the fact, and this goes back to me, maybe not being a good business person, I wish there was 10 times the amount of people out there doing what I'm doing. But there are now a lot of therapists. There are not now a lot of coaches who have learned about this and can help you. There is a lot of resources online where you can learn more about it, where you can go into different forums and talk to other men or other women who are going through this just like you, so you don't feel alone. There are support groups out there, like the 12-step groups. Sex Addicts Anonymous has probably more porn addicts than actual sex addicts in it these days. And really, It doesn't matter what way you go. Everybody's 
recovery is a little different. Everybody's way to learn knowledge and learn about this is a little different. Some people like to read. Some people like to talk. Some people like to watch documentaries. And they're now out there, you know, about this about this topic, um, whether it's pornography or whether it's pornography addiction. You have to look for it a little bit but it's out there. You can find it if you truly want it. And uh, my website, which I know you have in the notes, um, I have a page on there that has a hundred different resources, whatever you like, whatever you need, however you learn best, it's listed on there. Um, If, hey, you know what? If you're not the kind of person who is comfortable sitting and talking to a coach, that's okay. Read a book. Or, you know, go and sit with other men or women who have gone through this and listen to their stories. Whatever it is you need to do, you should do it. Because I promise you, as a 24-year porn addict, as a 22-year alcoholic addict, life is so much better once you're healthy. And it's not just about stopping the addiction, but it's about what that addiction did to your mind. And you don't even realize it until it's finally gone. You know, simply Wolf, I I, I loved every bit of this uh, conversation, Joshua. Really glad to have you part of the show. But I would like to spice up this episode by asking you a few interesting rapid fire questions just to let my audience know other side of you. I love thinking on my feet. So let's do it. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Perfect. Let me find the first one. Would your 12-year-old self think you are cool? My old self didn't think about consequences and did some very cool stuff because he didn't think about consequences. Just things like skydiving or getting in a car and driving and seeing where I ended up. I don't do that kind of stuff anymore. I'm much more cautious in my life and maybe even too cautious. Maybe I'm not spontaneous enough, but it's much better it was because I myself, sometimes it was cool, but most of the time it wasn't. Okay, fair enough. Uh, moving on to the next one. Have you ever won a bet? No, I I like my life now. I am healthier physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally than I've ever been. I regret the fact I didn't get well in my 20s because I feel like I lost a lot of years. So, no, I I have never relapsed. I've been clean for over eight years. Uh, I've never relapsed, and I don't ever plan on it. Okay, great. Uh, That's wonderful. And have you ever moved cross-country? I haven't, but I travel across country all the time. Yesterday, I I just finished a a four-day vacation with my son in Chicago, and uh, I'm looking forward to my next one. I have driven across country probably four times. We, uh, We have 50 states. I have been to 47 of them. I've been to over 20 countries. I love to travel. Wow. That's quite a lot. That's quite a lot. Moving on to my next one, like, uh, yeah, please share your uh, perfect comeback experience. I think uh, pornography addiction is one thing. What did you feel after coming back? I felt lighter. Mm -hmm. I wasn't angry. I wasn't sad. All of those emotions, all of those negative emotions you keep inside of you, once I got them out, once I got rid of the cause of a lot of them, I just felt lighter. I felt better. I felt healthier. 
um, not carrying that weight around, that was that that was the biggest difference for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, excellent. Moving on to the last one for rapid fire, Joshua. What is one electronic gadget that you would like to see or invent yourself? Oh, uh, the money making machine where I just push a button and it comes right out. That would make my life a lot easier. It's already available, but with the federal government. <laughs> yeah, the government the government ruins everything. And every government ruins everything. Why can't I just have my own little money-making machine? If, and I know I can create one, but I would end up in prison for the rest of my life. So it just doesn't seem worth it. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that was uh, interesting rapid fire. And with that, let me flip back to the mainstream and ask you one final question before I let you go. What will be your one piece of advice to those aspiring to make big in their careers or lives? Anything you can pick? You can do whatever you want if you want it enough. In this world, there are a lot of people who want to get better, who want to succeed, whether it's addiction or professionally, there are people who want to. There are people who know that they should, but so few people in this world who reach the pinnacle of success, there are so few because they don't discover the need. Why do you need to be successful? Why do you need to be healthy? You have to figure out the need Why do you want to be a farmer? Why do you want to be a computer technician? Why do you want to be a, a coach for interviewing? Once you find the need, life gets a lot easier because that becomes the most important thing. And that's what drives you. It's not just saying, oh, well, I would like to be successful. I hope it comes this way. You need to be successful because you need to raise your children in a better environment than you were raised in. And the only way that will happen is if you make more money and you have and you make sure that they get the education that you or your parents maybe didn't get. So that's your need right there. Find that need and you will be successful. Excellent. Thank you so much, Joshua. This has been one of the best conversations I have ever had on the platform. Truly insightful and you spoke from your heart and I'm sure it is going to help our audience learn learn immensely. And uh, yeah, thank you again for being part of our journey in shaping the careers and lives of millions across the globe. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I appreciate it so much. All right. Likewise, it was a pleasure hosting you, Joshua. Folks, before we move into the trivia section, here is a small request to you. In case if you haven't subscribed to us, please subscribe from the app where you have tuned in from so that you'll be notified about future episodes. Also, if you have loved this conversation just like I did, please share with at least three of your friends or colleagues who can benefit from the guiding voice. All right, now let's cruise into the previous segment of today's episode. Today's trivia is again continuing the topic of pornography. And I said uh, there are 115 million visits to a largest porn site in 2013, right? And now, you know, if you consider other statistics, Americans, in, in general, Americans' porn watching sessions are on average the longest in the world. And they spend about an average of 10 minutes and 39 seconds on the website every time they visited. And this is exclusively for Pornhub. And the UK was second, and Germany took the third place. And uh, one in five men, or 20%, as Joshua mentioned, Right, they admit to watching porn 
but surprising thing is one in five men or 20% admit to watching porn online at work and about 13% of the women do the same thing these are all staggering facts and before it gets too late i think it is better to realize the worst thing that porn addiction can do and better to get counseled or better to get out of it so that's all for today guys in case if you have any topic suggestions or speaker recommendations please reach out to me on social media networks or drop me a note on the guiding voice for you at gmail.com thank you so much for joining me i'm your host navin samala just a fellow it professional and a passionate learner on a mission to make a difference in the careers and lives of millions across the globe until next time bye bye